0: Welcome to Business is Good, the podcast all about what it means to be in business in the 21st century. Small and medium-sized businesses are the lifeblood of the UK economy, and globally, they can and will have a huge impact on society, the economy, and how we live our lives. From technology disruption to reworking a solution to solve the world's biggest problem, Business is Good is a podcast about what it takes to be successful and how every business defines that in different ways. Business is no longer just about being defined by what you do, but it's about giving back and redefining the problems and how we solve them in a way that works for you. I'm your host, Caroline Sumners, and I'll be giving you weekly inspirational stories from business owners who are building business and solving problems. Welcome to another edition of Business is Good. Um, we are now into our seventh or eighth episode. So far, feedback has been really good. Um, please do let me know if there's anyone in particular that you want me to talk to or interview. And I'm loving talking to such varied businesses and just hearing about all the um, just fantastic businesses that are out there that are um, modern types of businesses that are... Um, basically driving business for good in this in this economy so This week, I am talking to James Church from Robot Mascot. Um, I actually worked with James on a project about a year and a half ago on another project that I'm working on. And um, they helped us immensely. They are a branding agency or an agency that specializes specifically in developing your pitch if you are trying to get funding for your business. So, um, and the the conversation with James was great because it really highlighted the um the need for as you grow your business to really niche down so really interesting conversation with James about how they started very broad as a a brand agency and niched right down to now they only offer one or two kind of core services so a real lesson in niching and how you need to evolve your business over time so um, hope you enjoy this one and yeah let me know
1: So Robot Mascot is a specialist agency at creating pitch decks for uh, both investment and for um, for convincing your prospects about how great your business is and generating sales leads and um, interest in your business idea. But the, the fundamental um, idea is around investment. Um, that's where we really specialize. Um, we're partnered with people like Crowdcube and Cedars uh, seed legals and, and a lot of, sort of money finding services who who like to send their clients our way so we get some great partnerships and great referrals to work with some really interesting new businesses um, and basically we help them help them create a, a really powerful pitch that convinces an investor um, and we get some incredible results as well we we know that about of, on average our clients raise uh, 10 times more likely to raise investment than the average startup. So, yeah, we, that's why we end up with all of these uh, funding agencies trying to refer their clients to us so we can make them more successful at raising some some big bucks.
0: That's pretty cool. I didn't know that there was that statistic around 10 is it? Did you say 10% more? Raise 10% 10 more? times. Ten times, yeah, wow. ten
1: times more likely than the average. The average startup is the results we're getting. So, yeah, that that's re- really, really quite powerful, isn't it? It's, it's good to know. We were quite happy when we discovered that. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> that is pretty cool. And I'm glad now that you helped us with our pitch deck. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's well, a, fingers crossed that puts you puts you at the front of the pack.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. you know, obviously, when you started Robot Mascot, did it start? Did that how the is that how the business started? Or did you kind of niche down over time? Because it's quite specific. Yeah. The, it a- is
1: very specific. So yeah, no, we started life as your yeah, fairly average um branding and communications agency. Um, obviously, we believed that the work that we were producing was better than everybody else's, but we, you know, when you look at it from a business model perspective, it, it was very much your, your standard brand consultancy. We were doing websites for people, we were doing brand identities, um, quite a bit of copywriting. Um, and we had a couple of advisors um, on our team who both happened to be um, angel investors as well. And they spotted a couple of things about Robot Mascot that really interested them. And the first thing is that we made quite sort of boring businesses sound exciting. Um, and the second thing was that we made very complex businesses sound simple with the content that we produced. And, and they put two and two together and realized that this was a massive problem within the investment scene and within the startup scene. And all of the decks that they were being sent by uh, startups who were hoping that they'd invest in their business could really value support on just articulating their message, um, communicating their business idea much more succinctly, uh, much more concisely. Uh, and they they said, if we could find a way to deliver that as a, an affordable service to these people, we could have something quite interesting, quite exciting and quite unique there. So that, that kind of led us on this journey for the last or three years or so really um, started to learn more about the investment industry and how we could how we could support startups started attending pitch events and saw firsthand how how difficult some founders and entrepreneurs can find it communicating their idea in a in a short space of time in an exciting and engaging way um, but also one that that makes a convincing business case as well so yeah over over the past or three years or so we've been working more and more in in this um niche and over that time we've developed a sort of unique methodology that we that we take our clients through which get which generates that result that we spoke about earlier that, that ten times higher chance of receiving investment um, and we, so we follow this same process with every client um to receive uh, to generate the results and the final deck and it's all about creating Um, making sure first that the the business plan is all in place, that that we've got all of the right information that an investor is going to need to make a decision. Uh, The next stage is to then think about the structure of the deck and the content. And then finally, it's about designing it in a professional way um, that will convince an investor. So we take people through these three phases of which there's six key parts. And uh, yeah, out out the end pops up. uh, pitch deck that's that 15 to 20 slides long that that is really good at convincing investors that your business is the one to back. So yeah, it's been quite a journey, and and we've conducted sort of hundreds of hours of of research with different investors and different startups to sort of learn how how what what works and how best to approach it. And we've gone from sort of starting with face to face workshops as part of our process to creating an online tool that. That does a much more effective and more efficient job for everybody involved. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey.
0: That sounds. Like, it sounds like it's evolved even since we worked together. So, um, uh,
1: yes, yeah. So we, we had a workshop, didn't we? We, yeah. we spent half a day together, and then yeah. then I sent probably I think I'd have sent a sort of a questionnaire for some of the to pull yeah. out some of the bits of your business plan. Um, we've turned that whole process now into a online tool that we call Pitch Prep. Um, and that that unpacks all of that information, everything that we did in the workshop and, um, about what you do and why you do it and, and how your product works, as well as all of the information in your business plan. Um, and it's all done online, which gives us as a business scalability. It means that yeah. we've recently partnered with with funding provided in Asia so we can start providing this service in Asia, um, obviously all over the UK rather than just London. So yeah, it gives us that scalability. But from a from a customer's perspective, from the founder's perspective, it it, it does two things. One, it's, it means that you get all of the all of the information in one place much quicker. We tend to find that our t- our typical client will spend sort of two to three hours on on this, rather than the four hour workshop session yeah. plus a number of hours sort of bringing all the information together on the old way. But also, you can sort of save your progress. And if there's anything you're not sure about, you can go away, research it, consider it, and come back to it before you then submit it. So it means that we're getting much better information as well, which allows us to, um, to do what we do later on in the process to, to make it make it really effective and, and make sure that the pitch is one that the investors are going to buy into
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, um, let's say frustrating, but useful process.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it can be when, when we're in those, those face-to-face workshops, sometimes I'm asking questions and you haven't necessarily considered the answer between you and your co-founder. Whereas when it's done online, you can take stock of that. You can have a longer discussion in private about it and then input it into the into the tool rather than trying to come up with something on the spot because you feel like you need an answer in this workshop session so yeah it definitely works out works out better for Although, everyone
0: i think if i remember i think you did say to us that jill and i actually agreed on most things which was Yes
1: yeah. which was quite unique <laughs> yeah.
0: i think apparently which
1: yeah <laughs> yeah there can, there can there was often some times where you would get two two co-founders in a room together to do these workshops and and you'd ask a question about i don't know something about the vision or the purpose that that they have or and and they come up with quite different answers and that was always quite interesting to see how how two co-founders had a very different sort of vision or or reason for, for doing what they they wanted to do so it was our job to then find a way of of making that a unified vision for the company that, yeah. that, again, that an investor could could see and buy into that both of them, both founders were, were happy to pursue. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I
0: guess that kind of leads me on to another question actually then. So do you see, is there a pattern or theme of, of problems that people come to you with um, or things that haven't been kind of fully thought through or, you know, issues where you think people need most help?
1: Mm, so, yes, there, there are some common, common themes. I think first and foremost, I think the, the, main, the main problem we're solving for, for the majority of our, our clients is just the way they articulate their idea. They realize that they, they don't really have that nailed down in a really concise way. They, they, they want to help with the language and the, and the content. How to get their whole, you know, essentially what could be a 30, 40 page business plan down into fifteen slides, and, and they're sitting in front. They sort of open PowerPoint, sit in front of this blank screen, and just, go, I, I don't know where to start. So, by following up by having our process and following our structure, you, you, that allows you to to create, you know, get the right information in the right order. Um, so, so there's that kind of. I'm not sure quite where to start or how to articulate. Um, what I'm trying to say in a way that an investor will will be excited by it. Um, and then the other thing is really around what should I actually put in there? What should I have in my business plan, uh, my pitch deck, sorry, but, an investor is really going to care about. Am I missing key bits of information, and, and does my information stack up, um, or, or under investor scrutiny is my business plan going to be sort of ripped apart? So uh, again, that's where this pitch prep comes in. It allows us to make sure that there's no gaps, that we've got all the information we need, and then can give advice around any areas where they're missing information or where where you might have um, overinflated figures is quite common. So you might have a market opportunity information around the size of the market and that just doesn't match up to your financial projections for example or in order to hit your financial projections you're going to need a market opportunity that's just really unrealistic and something that that without extremely good reason an investor is going to look at and say you're off your rocker there's no way you can achieve that in in three years so it's just making sure that we're giving it a sense check and that there's all of the all of the business plan content matches up to what we know investors expect is a realistic but ambitious kind of target because you've got to get strike that balance from looking ambitious and not conservative because yeah. people want you to be a, a massive success and, and, and that's what's going to excite the investor the potential size and revenue and, and value of your business in the future but equally it doesn't want to look so ridiculous that, that it's unbelievable. Um, even if you believe that, that that is the case. So we had a startup once, that, that their, their kind of figures would suggest that in, in three to five years, they were getting sort of 72 times the return on investment, which, you know, it's fairly fairly big, you know, not, not many um, startups would, would achieve that. So it was just trying to find a way to make that seem realistic or, or reduce that slightly to make sure that investors... Um, weren't put off by the fact that it was so big that this this founder may not you know may be sort of living in, in cloud cuckoo land a little bit um so it's just sort of positioning in a way that that becomes believable and not just some crazy figure I've plucked out of the air because I'm going to be the next unicorn um so it's just sort of getting that balance right really
0: yeah I mean I think I was at a, I was at an event at Wera on um Wednesday Waira's a if you know it, you probably know it. It's a tech. Acceler- oh, it's an accelerator that was started by Telefonica, but they were talking about you know mm. unicorns or and and we all know why they're called unicorns, right? Because they're so rare. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, the of actually, exactly. it's like one percent or something, or is even less than one percent of all businesses or something. It was some really startling statistic. But the problem is, I think mm. everybody holds that up as the as the you know when you see all these companies getting all this money you think oh yeah well i can do that but of course you know in many cases that won't majority of cases that won't happen so i think it's about i think it's about resetting expectations but not being realistic i guess uh, is the thing yeah you say
1: realistic and ambitious but not but yeah not yeah, over the, the top.
0: balance um, yeah I think
1: yeah is getting that balance because because no one wants to invest in a really conservative business that not because that if your figures are really conservative that's the underlying pretext there is that you're not a particularly ambitious founder you're not willing to take risks and you, you don't don't believe enough in in your ability to make this happen and make this big so so you've got to strike that balance between something conservative and something something quite exciting um, so so there's the two ends of the extreme and it's finding finding that sort of balance in the middle that that says you know i can trust these guys they look like they know what they're doing they're ambitious but it's, it feels like this is achievable with what they say um so yeah it's getting getting those that balance right and, and that's where we'll, we'll give a bit of advice here and there to some of our clients the way where they need it we, we often see as we were saying there's there's gaps there that need to be needs to be filled or um yeah, yeah. We, get, we get quite a lot of um, traction and validation in another area where we wish a lot of our clients would spend more time um really kind of trying to prove their their business model in some way and it doesn't mean spending loads of money on an mvp but doing some kind of testing um to, to validate their business idea validate that their customers actually want want the product that they're creating so it's very tempting in the early stages just to try and raise raise some money without but really if you can have some proof that your your business is, is something people want and and there's there's some little tricks you can do like um you could set up a Facebook ads campaign that leads to a landing page, just like a Wix landing page website. <laughs> and when people click the sign up now button, it takes you to a, a page that says, really sorry, the product isn't available in your area yet. Um, but really, that means your product isn't available at all. Um, but you take their details and you can use that data to, to turn around to an investor in the very early stages before you've got a prototype to say, look, with X amount of spend on Facebook, we were able to generate this many clicks through to the website and this many people wanted to sign up. So had we had a product, you know, this spend would have resulted in this number of, of users. Um, and that, that validates that people want it. So now I'm interested in giving you the money to make it happen and, and start earning some revenue out of it. So it's just trying to do sort of bits of research that just prove your business to an investor. So it de-risks. Essentially, you're trying to de-risk your, your, your business idea in the eyes of an investor as much as you can. And all of these little things add up. Um, it might be quotes from industry leaders that that like your idea, PR that you've received. All of this stuff all helps to, to validate um, your, your business.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, um, do you notice any um, differences between... Um, Just talking about that um, realism versus um, ambition and sort of like being Mm. overly cautious with the numbers, do you notice any differences between women-led and men-led businesses? Because I know that um, Mm. certainly... I'm always probably more conservative and it's not that I'm not ambitious about the business, but I'm always more conservative. I think about the numbers than probably um, someone else might be. And that's a bit, it comes back mm. to that kind of like imposter syndrome thing, like, you know, and it's not that yeah. I don't believe in the product or the service. And I just wonder if there's a difference between, um, if you see a difference or whether it's, it's, it's mm. not down to that at all.
1: Um I don't notice a difference in gender yeah. um I don't think there's a particular gender divide there. I think it's yeah. more a personality thing um, right. so some people are naturally more more data orientated and therefore slightly more conservative. they'll try and make it realistic it'll be very data led whereas others are more um ideas led and more um yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess more more ideas led more about the vision, yep. and they tend to to go towards the this, you know, whatever happens, this is going to be massive, and and the, the sort of data and the figures they pull together will will lead yeah lead them towards over So it's more. I don't know if you, I, I use disc profiling quite a lot. I oh, yeah, have yeah, done yeah. in the past, yeah. and and it's the the yeah. You know, if you think about the the what the influence and dominant types would probably be more. Um, more likely to over-inflate and the, the more cautious and steady types of characters would, would tend to be more, yeah, more conservative in their figures. So, um, yeah, and, and in some cases, the, the founders just aren't, don't have a head for numbers. So it's more a case of they're just not sure what's, yeah. what's right or what's wrong and, and, and this doesn't work well for them. So they need a bit of, of yeah. advice and, and we've got a, a free download on our site for... Uh, A three-year financial forecast um, spreadsheet that you could that people can fill in and um, that that kind of sometimes helps and and if they still struggle then then we'd have some expert advisors that, that could help with the financials and yeah I think that it's quite an important point actually I think a lot of founders and entrepreneurs will i mean i know there's always the the, the issue of, of money and, and how much all of these things cost but yeah i think a lot of a lot of founders and entrepreneurs in the early days feel like actually they're they're not being a very good founder if they have to get an expert in to do their business plan or an expert in to help them with their financials surely that's what what the founder should do And and i think that's a, a common misconception and actually adds credibility to your business plan and if you've had an expert come in and, and help you with the figures or help you with the business plan because essentially from an investor's perspective they know that this is a business plan that could work because it's kind of validated by someone who's a professional and creating business plans so you, it, it actually possibly has the complete opposite effect of, of from what a founder's perception of getting experts in might be. Um, so, if you think about some of the biggest sort of FTSE 100 companies, um, the CEO of that company isn't writing their business plans every two, three years when they update them. They're getting in people like Deloitte to do them. Um, and it's not because the, the CEO of this FTSE 100 isn't capable of writing a business plan. It's because it adds more credibility. To mm. the business plan and to their board and to their investors that it's being done by deloitte um and they know what they're doing when it comes to that so yeah,
0: that's a really good it's point
1: founders actually. can yeah, so so the founders can sort of apply that in a in a much smaller way. I'm not saying go out there and spend millions on getting Deloitte involved but there's plenty <laughs> yes. of <They're> probably <laughs> there, out plenty touch of, of uh,
0: reach of most people but
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's plenty of advisors out there, and we know a couple of really, really good ones that we always put our clients onto if they need that help to to help them refine their plan and make it investor investor ready a little bit, yeah, a little bit more. So, so then they can turn around and say, "Look, this is this is my business idea, and it's being validated by this expert who really really knows what they're talking about in this space." So, mm-hmm. yeah, it adds credibility rather than takes it away and it also shows that you as a founder know what you're good at and know what you're not good at and that you're willing to bring in experts to to make this happen and, and that gives confidence in the eyes of an investor over trying to do it all yourself like like a student might you know sort of taking it <laughs> <Yeah>. out, <I laughs> out of that and saying I'm I'm a leader and I'm going to bring in expertise to make this happen and, and that says a lot about the, the character I think of an entrepreneur
0: yeah I think it's being able to admit where you need where you need help and and what your strength what your strengths are and uh, yeah totally and I'll admit I'm not really a numbers person but I'm I'm having to be more and more (laughs) yeah
1: yeah it's not everyone's eh?
0: (laughs) no exactly exactly and you know spreadsheets you know my background (laughs) my background's marketing obviously and you know it's that right brain left brain thing isn't it and I feel like the um, yeah feel like the numbers when i see a spreadsheet in front of me it just hurts my brain but i'm having to be yeah. more kind of you know re- really focused on it actually which isn't a bad thing yeah but i think you're right about yeah. the credibility for sure mm, it,
1: yeah. It, yeah no it, it, it does make a difference i think
0: yeah so tell me i don't know if you can but what what's been like a real highlight of when you for some, since you started Robot Mascot, what have been sort of one of the things where you've thought, yeah, that you know that was a real that was one of the best things we've done, or you know what, what's yeah so okay so I out. think
1: yeah I think probably our, our most standout result, which was quite exciting, was was producing a, a pitch deck for someone taken through our process and and they they did one pitch one pitch event to a, and re- raised. More than they they were asking for in that one event, so that that was quite a highlight. in that they they were I think got two hundred percent more than they were asking for um, in one pitch event. Um, wow. The first one they did after after working with us. So, so that that was pretty that was a, a good highlight for us was was getting a result like that um, and, in and such a they, short space of time for a client.
0: Had they previously been pitching? And not getting anywhere or is it just was it the first time pitching
1: no they, they hadn't been they'd been networking a lot they had a they had a quite a good profile um, but no one really knew any, much about their business and they didn't have a they didn't have a a deck or, or anything that they were sending them they just said i've got this idea and we'll be launching a funding round soon can i can i have your details so i can send you my pitch when it's ready type thing and uh yeah they they went and did did one pitch event um at a particular angel group and and yeah got all, more more than what they needed in that one event which was great and they ended up six months later closing around for for many many times more than than what they were initially asking for which was really exciting we are so pleased for that for that founder'cause uh, uh so yeah that that was quite exciting- that was sort of quite quite um early on as well, so that's when we realised we were onto something. Um that what we were doing was making a big difference for yeah. people. Um and I think the the other sort of highlights are, are more more recently I think one one realizing that actually if we taking taking the leap um collectively myself and my, my business partner Nick um saying, you know what, let's let's niche now. We're we're building a reputation here for being great at producing these these pitch decks, let's, let's just focus on this now and, and leave the branding stuff sort of ticking it along in the background, but, but not really focusing that on our, uh, as our main core business. And, and that, that was a massive moment for us at Robot Mascot, that really taking that, that risk to, to narrow down your, your, I guess, narrow down your potential clients in a way, narrow down the, amount, the type of work you're going after. Um, has actually made us grow quicker and and much much faster and, and I think that was a, a really important point of, uh, in in robot mascots history. Looking back at it, so that that's probably a, a highlight in making that decision and saying yeah. we're going to be the guys known for for being the, sort of the best the best in the business at, at creating creating pitch decks that convince investors and, and that's that's been a highlight and, and then that has led to loads of highlights since then um, really um, like uh, working with Crowdcube being there sort of having their seal of approval and being their um, their only um, partner for creating pitch decks so so we're, we're an official partner of theirs and, and they, they send all their clients uh, who need a Need an improvement on their deck our way, and, and that's an, uh, an exclusive relationship. So, those sorts of things are real highlights as well getting those partnerships and, and that, that validation from, from big players in the industry
0: for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just you mentioned about niching. I think that's the one mm. thing that people have got business that they know they need to do, but a kind of, yeah, you said it's scary because you're being so specific. So that kind of leads me on to yeah. kind of a, another question is, what, what do you wish you'd known when you started out? W- was it like let's niche mm. down or do you think you had to get to that point naturally? Um, that's a good
1: question. I think if we'd have tried to niche to begin with, we'd have niched into the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't yeah, have yeah, been yeah. anything. Because this, this particular area of expertise sort of developed over... Various conversations and with different advisors and interviewing um, potential clients and, and that kind of thing. It it happened organically. I think if we'd have said right, we need to niche when we first started, we'd have we'd have niched into something that wasn't unique and wasn't wasn't of interest yeah. to people. And it, as a as a service, it would have been. I don't know. It would have probably been okay. Let's niche in, into logo design, like yeah. <laughs> instead of branding as a whole. And, yeah. and you know, there's there's still thousands of people doing logo design. So you're not really niching in a way that's going yeah. to have impact on a on a market. So yeah, I think it definitely had to happen over over time because we'd have we were finding that it's in the same way that a tech company, a startup would would look to find their product market fit, we, we were doing exactly the same with our service. What what our service market fit was, and and that that takes time, I think, and research, and and yeah, I think I think sometimes these things just have to take a little bit of time to get to, um, yeah. and then you've got to pay the bills as well when you're when you're in the situation where. You're creating a business, and this is your sole focus. You, you know, there's always that risk of you've got to, you've got to also pay those bills. So you need to take on some work, even if that's not where you want to niche um, in the future. So, yeah, for a service industry, it's about trying to get that balance, I think. And um, for some people, it might be that they're starting their business in, in with a particular niche because they've seen a problem that needs solving from their experience of where they're working but but for me and Nick it was really about launching Robot Mascot as as a business that we enjoyed working at so we were working at a lot of branding agencies and and we weren't particularly enjoying our time there and we found the the culture not particularly one that we enjoyed or or liked there was a lot of uh, long hours for, for little reward um, we both found ourselves sort of feeling a bit sort of low and and not particularly content so we just had a had a beer in a pub, which is where most of these best things start and just yeah. Said, Look, let's just let's just do it. Let's do our own thing. Let's start our own agency. So we did. We quit our jobs and we started Robot Mascot and said, "Well, we'll just work on the project we want to work on and, and just enjoy ourselves." And that was the that was the start of it, really. And no no more intention than that. So we just did what we know, which is create great brands for people, um, and then it's evolved into what it is now, which is a much more interesting and more scalable business. Um, and we' only we've only got to this place because of some of the great advisors and and the great people that we've learned from along the way um on what not to do as much as as what to do so
0: yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah no that's interesting because you kind of pivoted but didn't pivot if that makes sense didn't you you sort of like
1: change
0: yeah. change the business, but it's a natural evolution, and I do think sometimes people get yeah. a bit hung up on oh, i've got i've got to i've got to niche, but I think you're right, especially in a especially in a service, I think, business, that you've got to make sure that you're doing something that maybe is naturally evolved and that you love doing because it's very easy to get mm. stuff that you don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, I guess it depends. I mean, for us, we, we, we I guess you, say, you could say we stumbled upon, upon it, but we sort of worked hard to, to figure out from a couple of pieces of advice we had whether or not this, this sector, this, this niche would work for us. Cause the initial thought was hang on a minute that you how can we make money out of this? Because, you know, this, we're tr- trying to help people raise money. So before that, they don't have any money. So that, that was the initial thing to overcome. Um, but we've found a target audience that, that do appreciate the, the, the value in, in which we add and, and will pay the fees that are required to access our service. And, and, but then it was a case so we found a sweet spot and kind of what people are willing to pay for the sorts of thing that we deliver and then how how do we how do we make that scalable then how do we because it's a bit different from your typical branding project where you can you know have bigger budgets and and longer projects to something that's quite a small two three week engagement on a on a lower fee so it's more about scale so so then that was the next challenge to overcome how do we get scale out of this and that, that's what led to this pitch prep tool yeah. rather than a workshop because we needed to find a way to deliver our service at scale and, and that led to us Creating tools and creating ways of doing that, but also not without without jeopardising the, the end result. And actually, what we've managed to create is something that improves the end result um, even further. So, so, we'll be able to hit hit two of those points. We're able to now deliver at scale, so good for us. But we're also able this this process also allows us to deliver a higher standard and a better result um, at scale. So, so yeah, I think. Um, these things take take time, and and you sort of work on it, and you keep keep moving it forward bit by bit. I think.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's a bit, having a bit of patience, isn't it? So it's moving at the appropriate speed, mm. being patient uh, at the same time. Yeah. I, and I don't I don't know that you can ever. I don't know that anyone ever gets that fully right, to be honest. But.
1: No. Because if we'd have, if, yeah, I mean, if we'd have created this service from the off with. Um, we're going to have this online tool called Pitch Prep that's going to gather all this information. Uh, it would have been a disaster. It would have asked all the wrong things. It would have been based a lot on assumption,
0: yeah, um, and
1: and that kind of thing. It's it's the the act of having done hundreds of workshops with hundreds of clients and interviewed hundreds of um, hundreds of investors that has allowed us to have. the the knowledge to know what to ask and the way you ask it and the order in which you ask the questions to best unpack the information out of the mind of uh, the entrepreneur. Um, So we wouldn't have been able to create the the process in the the right way had we thought of it as a piece of tech first versus uh, a workshop. So it it was really important to to go through that that process really to, to figure out the best way to best way to do it the best questions to ask and and yeah having that mindset for me it's always having that mindset of after every project or after every workshop what worked well what didn't how can we change it so it's better next time And, and it eventually got to a point where I felt like a robot standing there in, in the room with these, <laughs> with these startups. And like, I was asking the question and I knew exactly what answer was going to come back almost, you know, and exactly what I had to ask next. Um, and it, was, it got refined so much that, that these workshops didn't become interesting anymore. They became quite boring for me because I was just going through the motions and it was just yeah. working every time and it, there was you know we were asking the right questions we were getting the right response and I thought that was when I thought this is ready to to be an online tool now <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and I suppose it's a then a... that, that your service starts to suffer maybe because you, you're not you know you you do know exactly what's going to happen it's, it's it's almost predictable so you've got to make sure mm. that you're keeping it fresh as well haven't you
1: exactly and and make sure that that if people are uh, you know one paying for me to be in a room with them and two spending the time taking half a day out of their out of their day is they're getting value out of it and, and actually we've we've refined it to a point where the best value can be created through this online tool uh, that gets them a much better result in a much shorter space of time so yeah that's that's where we add the value now and then it's often then a, a more of a 30-minute follow-up call after they've gone through the online tool and just to iron out any kinks or, or clarify anything that we're not entirely sure with um yeah so, so how it's, long it's is a half an hour
0: now then so they fill out the tool then there's half an hour and then how long till they or is that not you can't really say oh it's two to, weeks what
1: the um yeah so so we typically um from the point of filling out the and submitting pitch prep and, and going through that online process we we typically return the the pitch within two to three weeks wow. um so yeah it's it's a much quicker process and i think perhaps you experienced as well back back when 18 months ago when we were working yeah. on, on it together so yeah it's just it's everything's just refined and we've got internal processes that are just really really well ironed ironed out and and it also seems to be working as, like a dream at the moment which is good
0: well that's cool. So where can yeah. um, where can anybody find pitch prep? Is it, it robotmascot.com or .co.uk?
1: Um, so robotmascot.co.uk is our is our website. Um,
0: yeah.
1: if you're interested in the sort of pitching services, there is a, a pitch section of the of the website you can find out all about those and, and yeah, um, pitch prep is is part of that of yeah. what we call our perfect pitch service. So a perfect pitch service um, takes you through that whole kind of discovery, the pitch prep stuff, the, the content writing, and then the final design and output of a of, uh, pitch deck. And yeah, pitch prep is one part of that of Brilliant. that process.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's probably kept you for long enough. Probably. <laughs> I know <laughs> we've we no, been a pleasure. We were chatting loads at the beginning, but um, thank we were, you so much. We were um yeah we were catching up weren't we so i didn't record that yeah
1: (laughs) no (laughs) but no no pleasure pleasure to to talk to you and and hopefully you found it interesting what yeah what we've done
0: (laughs) really good i'm gonna go check it out now because i didn't know that you'd actually changed it around that much so yeah yeah
1: developing all the while no no trouble at all it's my pleasure
0: was it listening to um, james and hearing all about um, robot mascot and how they've grown that business over the last two to three years um honestly when we worked with james they made the process so easy um, and just really challenged you on the things that you need to think about so if you are growing your business um i think he did do a little pitch at the end for his website but it's robotmascot.co.uk. Check them out. They've got some really super helpful stuff on their website if you are looking at your messaging, your positioning, basically how to pitch a business. So um, that's it for another week and uh, tune in next time. Thanks a lot. Tune in next week where we have more inspirational stories talking about moving your business beyond what it is and moving it more towards what you're in business for what's important and doing good and changing the way things should be done